Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Kurz from Faster Skier. We are kicking off our coverage from this 2023 World Ski Championships in Planica, Slovenia, where I am super excited to say I am on the ground, or snow, or mud, or whatever you want to call it. We've got American phenom Ben Ogden joining us for this first race recap of today's sprint. Stick around. We will be right back. Boulder Nordic Sport is the industry-leading resource for cross-country ski equipment, waxing, stone grinding, and hand-selected skis. Whether you're looking to tour the local park, finish your 15th Berkey in style, or aiming for the next Olympic team, Boulder Nordic Sport's passionate staff can help you find the perfect gear for your skiing experience. Visit bouldernordic.com to shop one of the biggest selections of ski gear in the country, download a digital copy of the annual BNS magazine, or sign up for one of our professional race wax services for world masters and other key races. You can also find extensive waxing instruction on the BNS YouTube channel. So you made it to Europe and you're awake. Yeah. Chalk it up as a win, man. Chalk it up as a win. What a, what a day. I'm actually... I had an intense day of school, which I was obviously unfocused in what I was supposed to be learning because it's the first day of the world championships in Planica, Slovenia, and you're in Slovenia. And we've been bantering back and forth over text and stuff, how like the conditions, and I've been talking to some people too, and the conditions yesterday were vicious. And then there was talk of them salting the course. And if they saw, if that is them salting the course, what I saw on TV, I don't know what the hell happened. It looked crazy soft on some of those climbs we start there what happened yeah i don't know uh maybe the salt they use in slovenia is like actually msg or sugar or something else because uh you know i mean i don't know if it made it better i don't know if it made it different it didn't make it better i don't think i mean we saw athlete after athlete after athlete just uh take themselves out and you know the best of the best didn't do that but um, you know, I don't know. Do we say that it's a shame that that we saw so many good athletes, you know, end up not in the mix because they crashed? For sure. I think I think that's what's really strange about a day like today, because like you you mentioned something really important. I mean, Klebo won in a demonstration the likes we have seen from him often, but at the World Championships or Olympics, it's always surprising when you have one athlete that is just that much better. And Klebo was that much better than the field. And Sunling and Ribom were in like a total dogfight there right to the end. But Sunling just powered through. And, and for those that are not like as dorky as we are, I mean, Sunling is world champion two years ago in Oberstdorf. She's Olympic champion last year. And now she's world champion again this year. So the winners were no surprises whatsoever. Ribom's having a great season. So it wasn't surprising to have her on the podium. Dahlquist too. I mean, it was scripted. We've been talking about this all season with the women's is, is when the Swedish women's sprint team is firing on all cylinders, you're not going to touch them. And when they have great skis and they're firing at all cylinders, it was one, two, three, four. It's not often that you see like Lynn's fun and you almost feel bad for her because she's fourth, which is an amazing result, especially when you put into consideration that she was 600 days out with her shoulder injury, multiple surgeries it's just incredible. And then she misses out on a medal and I felt bad for, her. but at the same time, like fourth of the world championships, what an amazing performance. And they parked the Norwegians. Like she said, like we were texting back and forth, had the conditions been rock solid, like they usually are when you salt the course, this is a very different race for the women. At least I think she studs in the mix. And when it's soft, like she just came undone on that last big climb, man. The, the beat down that those or second last, like- second last climb. Yeah, the beatdown that those Swedes put on, like it, you know, Skisad, I think, sort of took the took it out in the lead, and you know, it looked like the Norwegians were kind of resurgent in that final for a second, and then all of a sudden, it was like you you blinked an eye, and and we we were I was watching with some Swedish reporters from the mix zone, and we just kind of had this view mostly of the scoreboard and it was hard to see exactly sort of how big the gap was and then they went over the top of that hill and you could just see that you know those those two Norwegian skiers were you know basically like down 
in in the valley somewhere uh (laughs) compared to these four swedes it was it was it was an insane it was an insane performance by those guys for sure no yeah it was absolutely a beautiful form beautiful performance it's expected when they're when they're all firing like they are now that said i think like she's that i mean like I know people are going to accuse me of being like, oh, you live in Norway and you talk too much about the Norwegians and stuff. But like, yeah, fair enough. But Shistad has just an amazing story after her um, big breakthrough as a junior in 2019 at the World Championships in Seyfeld, where it looked like she was going to be a surprise in the finally, final, only the fall uh, in the semifinal. And then it's just been dark times for Shistad. And the fact that she comes out of the season with a final at the World Championships and a world cup win is impressive, even though she did come undone in that final today. And honestly, like Tyria Linus Vang, who has been unstoppable this season till she got sick after the tour and has been really struggling. This looks good for the Norwegian women too. I mean, Tyria back in the final. Yeah. She got completely parked, but rewind two weeks ago, man. Like she was barely cracking the top 30. So she's obviously done something. She's back to great form. I would say. So I think for the Norwegian women, like, yeah, fifth and sixth is not what you expect from Norway, and it's not what the Norwegians wanted, especially when it's Sweden that just wipes the floor with you. But the fact of the matter is, is those four Swedish women are just, they're just better. And we saw that on full display today. And I, I didn't think the Norwegians were that bad, even though it looked it looked bad. I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to be, it's hard to be Norwegian and have to live by Norwegian standards when like for yourself, a fifth or a sixth place. I mean, you know, neither Skisad or Wang uh, went into the race, you know, looking for a not medal. But I mean, I think yeah. you're right. Like you can you can have a good day as a Norwegian and still be a disappointment to your country if if you're not on the podium, particularly yeah. if you're uh, if you're dropped by by four Swedes. And there there was some funny uh, stuff in the in the Swedish media the last couple of days about like uh, I, the Swedish coaches were like, Uh, Sorry, the Norwegian coaches, I think, were like setting up like, you know, dolls or buoys on on the courses and and yelling out the names of the Swedish women for for motivation. So, you know, there I think there was some some good spirited rivalry here for for sure. Um, No, no, there always is. And I I think I think that's so fun. And and skiing needs that skiing needs that banter. It just does. I mean, we're boring enough. So it, it's great to see that the, the Swedish Norwegian rivalry lives on and it's only going to get stronger as this championship continues. Uh, continuing on the, on the women's vein, I wanted to get your perspective, maybe talk with her. Rosie seventh at the world championships in a classic sprint. And my heart broke a little bit because she was strong enough to get that lucky loser time, I think, but she waited just a little too long before starting to drill it. And that semifinal that her and Kern were in was just, it started like molasses. It started so, so slow that really Rosie finally said, okay, I've just got to take control and give myself a chance to get that lucky loser spot. She showed it also all day and compared to the women in that final, the the double polling finish for Rosie, she was not the strongest in that semi. So she knew she had to do something and she did. And I thought she skied wonderfully to be third. And it's just bad luck. At the same time, maybe she, she started driving right from the start. It could have been enough. Um, but she finishes seventh, which is a great result. Julia Kern, too. What a great season for Julia. Eighth place at the World Championships. So many semifinals. She's young. She's exciting. Like Alex was talking about earlier, she just changed ski brands this year and into Atomic. There's a lot to look forward to. The future is really, really bright for Julia and um, Rosie. I think it sets her up well for the world championships. It was a great performance by her in a classic sprint in, in arguably her worst discipline in all of skiing is a classic sprint. Yeah. I mean, I, like I, I got nothing but really, you know, pretty positive vibes from, from Rosie and Julia yeah. who kind of came, came through the mix zone together after, uh, after they waited to watch JC Schoonmaker ski his uh, semifinal heat, but like Rosie was, Rosie was pumped. And I mean, I think, yeah, I definitely would have been really nice to see either her or Julia get into the final. I think at, at the same time, you know, if you, if you'd, asked Rosie at the beginning of the day, would you take seventh in at world champs in a classic sprint? Just like you said, I think, you know, she would have said absolutely. And, and realistically, I think expecting that, um, those American women were, had they made it into the final that they were going to be able to like mix it up with those Swedes no. also. Is just there's, like, there's no you know, chance they're no, on, exactly. they're on another level. For um, sure. They're on another level. And also too, 
the fact of the matter is like, if you would have said before the race even started seventh, eighth, two Americans with the firepower that was in this race, I mean, they would have been happy with that. And when you look at the big, the big players in the final, I mean, Rosie Brennan and Julia Curran, sorry, those names just don't belong in that final today. But, but I was really, really impressed with that. I thought other things for the women's race that I thought was really interesting to me is like Gimler, what another great qualifier for her. And then she made her, she made a semifinal again, um, which was great to see Fendrik who had all those wins earlier in the season. I know she's probably disappointed, but you don't have to go back that long where ninth place in the classic sprint for Fendrik was like a fantastic performance. It's only now we're used to her winning races and and hitting the podium that you're like, Oh, ninth must be a disappointment. But I honestly think it was a pretty solid outing for her and, and Diggs in 21st. I mean, anyone that knows and cheers for Diggins knows that her big races are are those to come. And if it would have been rock hard also, if they would, if the salt would have worked, maybe it would have been a different day for Diggins. But when you see how Sundling, Ribom, Dahlquist for that matter, just really deliver on that chopped up climbs running with low shoulders, having their weight right under them, all the power going in the right places. That's not Diggins in conditions like that in classic. And the fact that she made the heats and and mixed it up. Now she's on the board. The the world championships has begun and and we can look forward to, to Saturday for, for Diggins. Yeah. And, and she, I mean, Jesse, when she came through the mix zone also, you know, she was, she was pretty pumped. She was like, yeah. this, these are not my conditions felt like, you know, she said she felt like she skied it pretty darn well. And I think with all of those women and with the results that you saw on the men's side too, like, even if, yeah, it would have been nice to see one of those guys make it into the final. I think, you know, you heard from the athletes and from the coaching staff to see folks in the mix like that today really gave them kind of promising feelings that, you know, okay, the pre-camp they did, they, they did a pre-camp, you know, heard a lot of discussion here about um, where people were training before they came here to Slovenia. The U S um, made a decision to train, not at like high altitude, like at Lavaze where, where Clybo was, but they were sort of at a moderate altitude, which, you know, kind of uh, matching what, you see here in Slovenia, they're, they're at about 3000 feet. So it's not, you know, not nearly the same as China or anything else. And they also feel like this is a good kind of trial run for uh world championships and, or sorry, Olympics in Val de Fiamme, you know, sort of testing out a protocol for racing championships at moderate altitude. And I think, you know, from what they've seen so far, they felt pretty satisfied with, um, with the results and like they're you know this this sets them sets them out up well for the rest of the championships for for sure no for sure it's super interesting and i think i just wanted to give a shout out to Haley swerbel again like classic sprinting isn't isn't what she's known for heartbreaking that she's only 0.27 out of making the making the top 30 and getting another shot to mix it up but on the flip side you got to remember at world championships there's only four starts per nation um sweden gets five because Sundling was the reigning champion but still so she was close to the top 30. It would have been nice to see her mix it up. And then just a disappointing day for the Canadian women, like really disappointing, actually. Um, you know, the veteran Daria Beauty back in 35th. I thought it was cool to see Weaver in 36th. Uh, she's a new name. She's been at it for a while here. And this is her first chance at the, the World Championships. So cool to see her mixing it up. But 36 isn't going to pay the bills and, and Olivia there in, in 38th as well. So the, the results don't sound all that bad. But then when you start digging into how far back you are from qualification. They were just a bridge too far and uh, uh, kind of a disappointing day for the, for the Canadian women all around, I'd say. I wanted to say one other thing that, you know, I was talking a little bit with uh, Kevin Bolger, who is uh, dating Maya Dahlquist, uh, who was third place today. And um, I, I just, you know, I think it's pretty, I think it's really interesting to sort of see four women from the same team, like, all at this kind of top level and how they, how they approach racing together. Um, I talked a little bit to Kevin and then I also talked to one of the Swedish like uh, team managers just about some of that. And uh, the, the, the manager was saying, you know, they will try to coordinate and basically not try to put themselves in the same quarterfinal heat, but both he and Kevin were saying, sort of once they are racing against each other, it's like, all bets are off. And I think in the final today, you even saw a little bit of like, uh, 
clo- close racing between the, some of those Swedes between I think Svan and, and Dolphus and it's like you know they're they're all competitors and and all bets are off and you know I'd love to get into the like workouts where you know those guys are clearly motivating each other but also it's just got to be such a like um tense tense is not the right word but i just imagine it's a kind of a fine balance to be motivating each other but also not to you know start letting that go off the rails in a way that starts to be like problematic and and negative for the folks involved i don't know if that was ever like a dynamic you had in in your career devin with like teammates at all but Uh, yeah for sure i mean like i would say by and large we we had an amazing team dynamic i was really really lucky throughout my whole career that we had an amazing team dynamic but i'd be lying if i said that at workouts uh temperatures didn't run hot every once in a while (laughs) it did for sure so you know even like some of the most chill people there he is benny nice Hey, oh, I didn't know this was a video. Let me put a shirt on really No, quick. man, it's all good. Kenny Powers. <laughs> you look like Ken- no, no, no. Kenny fucking Powers is in the house. I like it. Um, no, How's but it I- going? Good. How are you doing? Good. Great Great that you could join us. Yeah, of course. I've been, uh, I've been stoked too. Oh, I was awesome. thinking maybe, uh, may- maybe Devin and I should just take our shirts off rather than you yeah. put one yeah. on but i am still in the media center here so people might start looking at me funny i don't know and i'm 40 plus baby no one wants to see 40 plus with their shirt off don't let my uh don't let don't let my chiseled jawline throw you off it's uh no you don't you don't need to see me with my shirt off i i look i look at 50 year old uh anders auckland with no shirt yeah, that's i think true. yeah but he trains like probably <laughs> 10 times more than i do in a year so i got nothing on yeah. that well, now you, right, better well inter- you better introduce uh, who just joined us because this is a uh, this is pretty special. Yeah, I don't know how how to really introduce Ben Ogden other than to say, uh, you know, Ben Ogden is American uh, sprinter who's been just absolutely tearing it up on the World Cup this year. Um, I feel like, you know, Devin has really kind of created a legend around you, Ben. I don't <laughs> okay. I don't know if it's like, you know, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's accurate, but, you know, I feel like. People people associate Ben with uh, chainsaws, mechanicing, um, maple syrup, and uh, you know just stuff in the backwoods of of Vermont. But we'll we'll let him uh, we'll let him define himself. But other other than that, I mean, I think you know important to say you know Ben spent some time in the, some quality time in the in the leaders chair earlier this year in the in the tour to ski. Um, He's been, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, part of a world junior championships gold medal uh, relay team has comes comes to the podcast with a number of, of Palmars, uh, including, uh, you know, solid, solid finish at world championships today. And uh, we are delighted to have you here, Ben, particularly, you know, when you probably should be ice bathing and or celebrating uh celebrating your first race uh thanks for joining us and uh i don't know you want to tell us a little bit about uh what it's been like here in yeah of course um i uh yeah thanks for a great uh introduction first of all that's uh that's good um but yeah planitza has been planitza has been great i mean it's always like super fun to you know as much as it's not really wintry when we're doing a winter sport, there is something nice that I'm, you know, as I'm sure uh, Devin can remember, there's something nice about coming to, to uh, central Europe this time of year and just like skiing in a t-shirt and get, you know, getting a sunburn and stuff, especially like when we were in uh, Finland and Norway and whatnot for a while in the beginning of the season, like it doesn't take long, you know, up in Scandinavia to make you uh, look fondly on the summer days. So it's sort of fun to come down here and, uh, spend some time in the sun and uh yeah i mean everything's been been pretty awesome so you know i'm, I'm stoked <laughs> i wanted to ask you ben like we, we can get we'll we'll swing back around to like the world championships that happened today we can ask you about that mm-hmm. and, and you can break down what what you think happened in your heat but before we get into that like it's been i mean you've had a lot of breakthrough results for sure but i would say this year you've definitely been quite stable in the amount of top tens you've achieved already and the season is well okay now it's two-thirds of the way done can you say but but still it's mm-hmm. it, 
you really, really stepped up in a big way this year, at least with the consistency. And what do you think that, what do you attribute that to? I mean, I know you've been at UVM. You're almost done mm-hmm. there, aren't yep. you? Or, or are you graduated or yep. are you graduating this year? I'm, I'm graduated for the all intensive purposes. I'm still like uh, in some school there. Um, but yeah. And, you know, I'll still race, uh, still race with UVM a little bit, but uh, I graduated with my undergraduate last year, but I'm working on a master's now. Um, yeah. So what do you, what do you, so that, which is incredible. And I think that you're an inspiration. I know I talk with a lot of young, at least Canadian athletes and, and they really look up to you as an inspiration. I think it's really cool what all you guys are doing. No, I'm serious because that wasn't a path that was really realistic when I was younger. I mean, hence mm-hmm. why I'm buried in school as a like thousand year old yeah. dinosaur. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really cool that not only have you been able to combine academics, but also combine academics with delivering consistent top 10 results or top 12 results can you say on the world cup is, is, is quite the feat, but I was just curious, do you think it's just a matter of you being more comfortable uh, in Europe, getting a little more experience or what do you think changed this year to allow you to have the consistency that you had on the world cup? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good question for sure. And, you know, a lot of it, I think definitely is just the getting comfortable part. I mean, I think I sort of like have this philosophy that like with every, like, you know, with every level of skiing you come to, like, it takes a little time to get used to it. Like, even for me, like, when I first started racing Eastern Cups in Vermont, you know, I, uh, you know, the first year, you don't think of yourself as being, like, at the very top or being, you know, where your potential, uh, where your potential may have you. So you sort of aren't there. But then as you get comfortable, you know, you maybe have one or two pop, pop out result, breakout results, and then you sort of start to believe that, <clears throat> you know, you can be there. And I think that like that happened to me in college and then, yeah, now it's like starting to happen to me on the world cup. And it's obviously like, there's definitely a little bit of that, like just the, the mental side of it, like the belief and, and uh, you know, believing that like I'm as good as, as anybody. Um, and then there's also, you know, I, I mean, there's also like a handful of training things that I think this summer were like really positive towards that. Um, you know, like just, and again, I don't, I don't know, you know, it's hard to say exactly. I think if there was like, you know, a perfect mold for how to just like get a lot better in one year, everyone would do it. But, you know, I, uh, I definitely think that this summer I spent more time like doing like in my intensity workouts, I just pushed the volume more where I like, as, um, you guys maybe have ascertained from the way I race, like when I was young, I just was like a, you know, L5 in every L3 session kind of athlete. And, you know, that's taken me a long way, but this year I really tried to just like slow it down and, and be like in proper threshold and, you know, maybe do that for an hour, hour 15 in a session, as opposed to like back in the day, I would go like, you know, L6 with Simi Hamilton and Newell and, uh, you know, but I'd only do it for 30 minutes. So I think that was a big change I made this summer and, and that has been really good. And, and, you know, just to help with like being comfortable being uncomfortable if that makes sense like with the with the distance racing for sure but yeah it's got a combination of things i guess <laughs> no but that does that does make a lot of sense and i think there actually is a lot of wisdom in that and that that people don't really understand that and that's that's a mistake master blasters make that's a mistake a lot yeah. of people make in a lot of parts of their life that's the mistake i'm making right now after slacking my ass off in school and having exams coming in a couple months and realizing like oh my god now i have to do like L6 mm-hmm. for the next six weeks instead of just yeah. doing L just instead of doing L3 from like November. But um totally. <laughs> but you know, it seems counterintuitive, but there is a lot, there's a lot there. And then but that comes with confidence too. And as you've raced mm-hmm. more and more and seen results, you get more confidence. And then you have that confidence to know that okay, yeah, I mean, not only can I hit my level three workouts and do them properly, but I can increase them. Like you just said for, to like 60 minutes of work or, or 75 minutes of work, even up to like 90 minutes of work as you get a little totally. older, as long as you're disciplined, it'll, it'll pay dividends. And that's cool. That's really cool that that's that you made that change this year. And you're already, you're, you've seen amazing payout already. I, at least from my perspective, that's, yeah, that's incredible. I also had one other question too, like your sister, she stopped like um, KO for people that listened to the podcast she, I mean, a massive talent and huge success too. I mean, raced internationally mm-hmm. has a, a, well, I mean, I, I'll never, for, even though I wasn't there, but I mean, her silver medal at, at the world junior championships in the U S mm-hmm. 
in Soldier Hollow. That, that was pretty special. Um, how much of an inspiration was it, was your sister? Because I mean, like, uh, I always find it fascinating when you have family dynamics where you have a couple people in the family that do the same sport and not just do the same sport. Um, you know, my I, my siblings also skied, uh, not at the same level. Alex's siblings skied as well, but not at the same level. Right. And and mm-hmm. um, I, I just like to hear your perspectives. I never we've never talked about this before. I'm just curious what uh, how much your sister meant for you and in. in of course, tons. I'm that. That's stupid. That's yeah. a stupid question. But I mean, but it just like, uh, did you ever take any advice from her through through her journey to to see where you are today, or are you guys just brother and sister, and that's how it is? No, yeah. I mean, I <clears throat> I took a lot of advice from Catherine, not necessarily even like explicit. You know, like when you're brother and sister and you're trying to do the same thing, there's always like the competitive aspect of it, and that wasn't super bad for me and Catherine at all, and we you know, we parted ways sort of on our trajectory, like at the beginning of college, like she went to Dartmouth and I went to UVM and we sort of like forged our own path after that. But like, like you say, there's still been a lot of overlap with like world cup and and trying to make it happen here. And yeah, you know, like she, she, uh, she definitely like, you know, her whole thing, especially with junior worlds was super inspiring and like definitely made me maybe know that I wanted to go there, but like, that's kind of the uninteresting aspect of it, in my opinion. Like that's just the classic sibling stuff. But you know, the more, the more like profound stuff that I took away from Catherine, uh, especially like towards the end, was just like you know how how to make it, like how to make this life a life worth living. You know, and like for her, I think the last couple of years, like she she was like undoubtedly like an incredible talent. And like I don't know if she ever did had her view two max tested, but I'm sure it's like something astronomical. But for her, just like, you know, she didn't have the like infrastructure infrastructure set up around her to like, you know, be stoked even when things weren't great and when she wasn't achieving goals and stuff. And like, so f- lately, like that's been a big takeaway for me. Like we talked about this a lot a few weeks ago, me and Catherine. And then, but also just like seeing how, you know, she set up her life as a pro athlete and how I'm going to set up my life as a pro athlete. Like, I think that that's where I stand to learn the most because, you know, I think she made some crucial mistakes and, and not, not mistakes, but just like some crucially imperfect decisions. And again, I don't want to speak for her, but I mean, I, we've talked about this and I know that she agrees and I, and, you know, so for me, like that's, an, that's an awesome opportunity to sort of just like um, say like, okay, you know, I, I see that like that's tough and uh, I'm going to like learn from that. And um try and set myself up in a better way and we can talk specifics too but like hopefully that kind of makes sense i mean you know a little bit the what, what i'm getting at <laughs> yeah well i i was gonna ask you about specifics i mean does the, i i my sense is like what you're saying is that you know you need to be a skier but you also need to have a life that allows you mm-hmm. to feel fulfilled in in ways that yeah. You know, don't specifically connect to where you are in the result sheet. And so yeah. I like, yeah, I'd love to hear just a little bit about like, what does that actually look like for you right now? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Um, you know, a good, a good example of that is, uh, like Catherine, you know, she only spent three years in college and then she went, went for it on the world cup and, um, you know, seeing how that panned out, you know, now I'm uh, well into my fifth year in college. Um, like that, that's sort of like a good example, you know, because for, for me and, and for her too, like, like exactly like you say, it's so crucial to have like a balance so that like, cause you know, you look at these guys on the world cup, like the Paul Goldberg and the, you know, whoever else, uh, uh, the Fabiani who are 30, you know, and they're having some of their best results. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out how to like get longevity and, you know, kind of weather the weather the lows and, and stuff. So I think that the way to do that is to, you know, sort of set yourself up so that you have a lot of other, you have other things going on that like you, you feel really proud about and, uh, and make you feel like you're, you know, bettering yourself. Um, so that then if, you know, all of a sudden you get home after five months in Europe and you're just like, geez, I did not do, I was not the person that I wanted to be this year. You know, you can still motivate for training because like there's more to it than just that. And like, you know, I always laugh when I hear like you guys talking about like how I'm like the working class dude or whatever. <laughs> but like, you know, 
I always, and a good example of like another thing I've done and will continue to do is like in the summertime, like, sure, I train hard and I, you know, do everything I need to do, but I also like, you know, I work construction and I go and, you know, learn how to build houses and learn how to work on cars because like, that's of course you crucial do. to my psyche. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, who's going to fix the, who's going to fix the wax trailer if it breaks down on the Autobahn, right? Yeah, exactly. For sure. That's like my dream, you know? <laughs> no, but I think, but yeah, I, I mean, again, yeah. But I think you're touching go on, on go. really good things. I think you're touching on like really, really, really important things and you're young and to have that wisdom already at your age is, is going to serve you well. And hopefully your teammates also have that. Cause I see in the young American team, especially on the men's side of thing that you guys are creating a culture that the U S male men's side has never had in right maybe since Justin and Nash, like Justin Wadsworth and Marcus Nash, but that was a team of two mm-hmm. where you're yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. And where your college coach was kind of cycling in and out like weave and, and like yeah. Vordenberg too coming in and out. Like now you guys have a good group of like-minded individuals with a good team culture on the men's side for mm-hmm. the first time in my lifetime. So for mm-hmm. the U S for, for, from the U S perspective. So I think that's really cool. And I think, yeah, I think you're touching on really important things. Cause it's, the thing is, is like cross country skiing or any, anything that's competitive and sports, individual sports, just it's hard. It's, it's hard to have that perspective when you're being judged week in, week out, and your name is yeah. published on a results list, like mm-hmm. position, name, country, fist license, res- result and time back. And it's, it's hard yeah. not to, it's hard not to make that your identity. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, if you can, uh, if you can avoid that trap, that that's where good things happen when you avoid that trap. That's, that's, that's my experience. I, I do want to ask, one really important question, which is like, Ben, can you just tell us like what specifically your last mechanic, like car or, or, you know, machinery mechanic project was? Uh, yeah, for sure. I, so I have an, I have a handful of cars and one of them is a 1986 forerunner, which is a honey I bought in high school from California. And, uh, this it's always just been like a horrible oil leaker. So this fall, in my driveway in Burlington, I uh, replaced the rear main seal, which is like the seal between the oil seal between the engine and the transmission, which was a really a serious undertaking. Um, had the transmission out. My car was on jack stands in the driveway for a couple months. It was uh, it was pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, it all went back together, and now it uh, doesn't leak from that seal, just from a bunch of other ones. <laughs> and this is why, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. I know he's old. I know Springsteen's old. And I know Springsteen's from Jersey, not New England. But this is why if Bruce Springsteen listened to a podcast about cross-country skiing and was in Planitza watching Ben race and talked with Ben for a couple hours, it wouldn't just be one song about him. It'd be like a whole album. It'd be like a tribute album. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be amazing. No, but I, 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 I'm joking, but I, I'm joking, but I actually think it's really cool that you have other things going on and, and, uh, yeah, continue with that. I mean, it's 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 yeah. better to have more. It's better to have more legs to stand on, and like you said, racing's a fleeting thing, and races come and go. And the the annoying thing about racing is, yeah, when it's the World Championships, you'll never have another chance at a classic sprint in Planitza in 2023 at the World Championships. Sorry, buddy, this was your time. You had yeah. one chance. It's gone. But the good thing is, there's classic Indeed. sprints in Drammen. There's the Olympics. Yeah. There's World Championships in two years. There's Olympic World Championships in four years. You have plenty of other chances. For and sure. that's and that's something to, to never forget. Apropos of that, I've got to ask you about today because you had a wonderful qualifier mm-hmm. again. Thank uh, you. Sw- yeah. switching, switching gears back in today's race. And a great qualifier, qualifying six, showing like great, great speed in the qualifier. And, and it felt like you, I mean, I want to hear what you thought. But like from my perspective, it looked like you solved the qualifier really, really well. And then in the heats, you were right in the mix. I mean, you looked like things were going pretty well. And then on that second to last climb, where it's like quite steep was really soft before you jumped on Nat and I were talking about it. It's like, man, it really got ch- way more chewed up than I ever would have dreamt could have mm-hmm. happened when they salted the course. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like, yeah, from my perspective, let's just be perfectly honest. It seemed like technically you just weren't able to solve that, that steep sloppy hill, like some of the other guys who were in the heat with. 
And then that cost a lot of energy. And then it seemed like you just kind of ran out of gas after that. But like, I want to hear your perspective. So take us through your heat because it was a great qualifier. And, and um, what's done is done. And just be interested to hear your perspective of how your heat went. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, it is, it's, it's, uh, I mean, going back to what you were saying at the beginning, like, yeah, you know, after a day like today, I'm like, God, why did I spend so much time in the summertime, like being out in the sun and being doing foolish things. But like, again, yeah, that's, that's who I am. And I'd be, I'd be a hell of a lot more pissed off today if I hadn't done all that shit in the summer. So, you know, I stand by it. And then, yeah, the qualifier today, yeah, the qualifier was great. And, uh, you know, I think that like that kind of this today sort of highlights one of my greatest weaknesses, I think in sprinting. And it's just that like, you know, I can really, I can handle challenge um, when I'm alone and when, you know, there's nothing going on around me, like in the qualifier today, the hill was, was no firmer then. Um, And, you know, I was able to get right up there and, and make quite a lot of time on the, on the sort of like gradual bit at the very top before the hairpin um but then yeah in the heat today you know i used quite a bit of energy in the on a lower hill just to like get right back up to the front and then you know going under the bridges i just sort of like had this like i distinctly remember i had this thought of like oh god like i'm a little bit more tired than what i would have wanted to be right now and then exactly like you say you know i came to that that steep hill and there was people going around me and like i sort of saw my goals you know, vanishing before my eyes a little bit, even though it was by no means the end of the race, but, you know, and, uh, and I just got a little frantic and then, yeah, I didn't have it to, to get back in and, you know, make it, make it happen. And I was super bummed. Don't get me wrong. I mean, really, really frustrated and, and just like, you know, tough, but again, like it's, there's always something to learn. And for me, it's like, okay, you know, it's, you know, I, I got to try to manage my energy a little bit better and try and just get better at skiing with people around me, you know, and, and, I, and it's all, there's also a mental aspect of it too. Like I'm really big into thinking about that sort of stuff because I just think it's so crucial, uh, the, the mental side of especially sprinting. And, you know, again, like that thought that I had underneath the bridge of like, I'm too tired to make this happen is just like so problematic. And, uh, you know, again, like when, it, when, I went to fifth and like, you know, bib 30 was like going by me. Like I was standing still, like I had a moment of just like, it's over for me, even though it was long from over. And like, I'm not proud of that at all. In fact, I'm really disappointed in myself because of that, but there's obviously something to be learned. And like, you know, that was my big goal. Another big goal of mine going to this season was just like tight, like rein in my mental. Cause you know, like last year I was a quarterfinal skier. I could rip a, killer qualifier but i was a quarterfinal skier i never got out of the quarterfinals unless it was like some fluke and a lot of that was because i believe was because i was getting having a killer qualifier getting to the quarterfinal and telling myself hey you know like we're all we're all scared of you know disappointing ourselves right so i was telling myself like oh well hey ben like you know even if you get six there you know something happens like you can still be happy with the day like with what you did and that was like not, I was not okay with that this summer. So then like a big goal of mine, like talking to sports psychologists and all this stuff was to like, you know, set goals further into the day and like not be, not become satisfied because you give yourself, you know, you can become satisfied in the super tour and still win, you know, like but you give yourself, a, you give yourself a 1% of like slack and you're just going to get exploded out the back on the world cup, you know? So that was my big goal of this year. Like, and it's, it's been great. Like I've gotten into some semifinals and I've gotten into some semifinals where I truly deserved to be there you know it wasn't like because somebody crashed or whatever so you know and but it's an ongoing thing and like today you know I think yeah my shape wasn't great or like my legs were a little tired my skis maybe weren't perfect but you know the thing I'll be thinking about is just the fact that I sort of like gave myself an inch before the finish line you know and and that's just you just can't be doing that and I know that people who who get through heats don't do that so that's that's my takeaway uh, that's a, that's a super apt takeaway. And I think like you, you know, you psychoanalyze yourself and, and I, there's a lot of good things in there. Cause you're absolutely right. Sprinting, it happens fast. You got three minutes and the big takeaway to succeed. And I've been on both sides, you know, I've won sprints in the world cup and I've gotten my fucking ass kicked large <laughs> scale. Like I've been like 80th in sprints too. And, yeah. and a big takeaway of it is, yeah, you got to stay present. You got to stay right mm-hmm, here right totally. now. And, you know, yep. you hear, you hear a lot of people talk 
talk about this and I know it's just kind of like a broken record, but you got to try and practice to get into that flow state where you're just executing and you're really not thinking mm -hmm. at all. And you're just executing. Absolutely. You've done mm -hmm. the preparation, you've done the visualization, you've done the ski testing, you've done all the work. And then when the race is happening, it's just happening and your body knows what mm -hmm. to do and you just do it. And you'll have some of those days in your career and they'll be somewhat fleeting. Cause I, you know, like they don't happen every single day, but I think it's really cool to hear you say that that's what you're chasing. And I think, you know, that success will come from that and you'll take the lessons from today. And the cool thing is you have plenty more opportunities at this world championships. And then you have, I mean, you got some amazing races coming on in the spring too, also classic sprints. Uh, to get some redemption, not to mention in the future. So uh, that's cool totally. to hear. I don't, I have a question about, um, I mean, Nat probably should answer this and he's probably talked to him in the mix zone, but he's your teammate. JC finishes the day in ninth. So he's top 10 of the world mm -hmm. championships. I mean, that's got to feel really good for, for the whole team, for the whole men's team, because top 10 of the world championships on the men's side for the U S is a great way to start the world championships. And also too, JC went to under 23s and under 23s a lot of the time is a watered down field let's be honest because a lot mm -hmm. of the top under 23 racers don't travel back for under 23s especially when they're in Canada uh he came back and I mean I think I'm not speaking too soon to think that like Haley probably thought and everyone thought like oh my god JC's going under 23s like he'll take a medal no problem and it just yeah it, it just was a disaster let's just call it what it was mm -hmm. total yeah, disaster absolutely. And the fact mm -hmm. that he was able, the fact that he was able to turn around and, and be top 10 today, like what, what's, uh, even though it was you were disappointed in your heat and you, you touched on why I, did you take any solace in like your teammate and came out there and ripped a, a, a great day. And I mean, that, that's, that speaks volumes for the whole team. That's not just JC's day, although it's an amazing day for him, but it's also, a says something about your whole squad. I, I say, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely. I mean, the, what, what JC did today, like, you know, that was, that was a pleasure to watch and, and to be a part of, and, and it makes it so much better. It makes me feel so much better about how I did because he, he had a fabulous day and, <clears throat> you know, like he, and exactly what you say with the, uh, with the U23s event, like, you know, that's like the magic of JC, you know, is that he just like rolls with the punches better than anybody. And, uh, you know, he didn't even have very many negative things to say about that. He just said like, Hey, it happens. And like, we're going to just pick up and, and focus on the next thing. And that's exactly what he did. And it, I was so proud of him for performing today. And I know that he even had like, he, he like admitted to me a little bit that he was a little worried after like not getting to ski any heats in, uh, in Whistler. Like he was like, damn, like I haven't been in the heat in, you know, a month now. And, and he was a little worried, but like, you know, he just has like undying confidence and, and, uh, that's like really, you know, not to hit, not to obsess over the mental thing, but that's something that like we can all learn from him, myself included. And today it was on, on display, like, like, uh, you know, quite well, I think. And especially after the U23 thing. So that was, that was really cool to see and, you know, super stoked for him. <laughs> and, and on, and like on a course that does not course in conditions that does not necessarily favor a, a guy of jc's rather tall and yeah and broad build yeah no absolutely we were talking about that after the qualifier like a lot of the uh i guess we we, we must be careful but the uh the like bigger stronger guys didn't have great qualifiers and didn't have great days and and jc he, again like you know <laughs> He looks at that and he's like, all right, cool. Like, who cares? And he just goes out and, and kills it. So that was awesome. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I think we got to take it through a little bit. We haven't really got to the men's side of thing, Ben. So you can just chirp in. We're going to try and just cover Monday morning quarterbacking about what happened on the men's day. And you can come in or, with your perspective yeah. whenever you want. But or, or or if you need to, like, eat dinner or go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever, if you want to bail. Whatever you, whatever like, you want to do. Oh, yeah. I don't it's have up anything to you. going on. I'll, I'll listen. You guys have at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, like, uh, of course on the men's side of things, like, I, I think it's actually really interesting too, Ben, that we were saying about like dealing with some disappointment or dealing with like, yeah, disappointment, let's just call it what it is, but also that like leaving something to be desired, but then knowing that you have other opportunities and you touched on this earlier, Paul is 32, Paul Goldberg, who's second today, he's 32 years old. And if you rewind 10 years ago and you watch the team sprint from Val de Fiem, where a 22-year-old Paul Goldberg, who had just made the final in the sprint a couple of days before, got placed on the team sprint team with 
the king himself, Petter Nortug, mm-hmm. and completely self-destructed mentally, like completely. Oof. And yeah. they, di- they didn't make it out of the heats. They didn't make it out of the semis for the team sprint. And Petter Nortug and Paul Goldberg did not get to race uh, the final in the team sprint of Aldefiam, which is which is bananas. Brutal. And he obviously yeah. he took that he took that really really hard. And what's worse than that is fast forward the years that followed. Paul Goldberg has individual gold medals in sprints and also in 15k classics and like a lot of now it's skating a couple of weeks ago. But but the fact of the matter is he's been a great World Cup skier, but he has a grand total of zero individual medals at a championship zero from his debut from his from his debut in 2013 to now no medals and today he showed incredible poise and patience and as far as solving a course to suit your needs best of course claybo did that the best because he just skied away from everybody you can win any which way and he put that on the screen just by he's just by far the best skier in the in the world right now and he and he showed that but paul if you go back and you watch all his heats, you know, he, he started slow and even had some of the Norwegian commentators like worried because he's sitting in sixth and they know it. there's a lot of crashes. We can talk about that in a quick second, but uh, soft conditions. And unlike what you said, where you got a little bit like stressed that people were around you and then space was limited. And then you feel like you rushed your technique a little bit. Then you missed your focus and you start thinking about like your legs aren't feeling as good as you wished. And then next thing you know, I see baby 30 beside you and you're like, what the hell's going on? Paul, by contrast, sitting in the back, not giving a shit what's going on up front, knowing that like, I'm going to make my move before that second to last climb to put myself into position so that I have good speed coming around that last corner into the final climb and then into the finishing stretch. I just trust that I'm one of the best double pullers in the world. And, and he was, and he did that all the way to the finish, to finish second. And I was really, really proud. I, I know Paul pretty well. And like, that was, well, not right now. He's got two kids and he's a professional skier. So I mean, like how often do I see Paul Goldberg? Not that often anymore, but anyway, I was really proud of the the job that he put down. I thought it was like, it's just a phenomenal race. And the other thing too is Chapaz buddy, Chapaz baby. Who would have thought the sprint team of France is something that I think like we've talked about this a lot when I was active, like France is just an interesting case study because they had a lot of success. And they don't have that many cross-country skiers, honestly. And it's kind of like Canada or the U.S. in the sense that, like, they're really – they're a team that we should look up to in North America because they're, they're doing it on a shoestring and they're doing it with a heart on their sleeves. And throughout the years, I mean, Juve is a great example. Shanava is a great example. You had, like, Baptiste Gros back in the day winning races. You, had, you have so many – or being on the podium anyway. Um, you, you have so many – great French sprinters in the, like you have like t- over 10 years of great French sprinters and they have zero championship medals. So I thought it was really cool that 23 year old, you're older than you, man, like comes away with the bronze medal and was a sneeze from, from silver really. It was a lunge for that silver medal. And, and what a great payout for, for a team that, that that's been actually fighting at the top for a long time in the sprints. Well, and not to mention that like, you know, if you had had to put your money on which French sprinter is going to come away from this uh, World Championships classic sprint with a medal, you probably would not have said Chapaz. You probably would have said you you definitely would have said uh, Shanava or or Chu. And so I I just I thought that was awesome. I'm a huge Chapaz fan. Like just going back, I mean, I definitely absolutely did not even know that name until the beginning of this season when I think he was on the podium early on with just the most epic mustache like looked like he should be you know serving up cocktails or something at at some kind of like brooklyn bar um i don't know ben have you have you raced much with shapaz like can you can you give us any you know important biographical details or uh the language barriers too much yeah language barrier is a bit tough but uh we've raced together quite a bit uh back in the junior days too um he's a super nice guy and, and i was really really start to see him have a great day today. Um, and it's exactly like, uh, like you guys say, you know, the French team is something, something to be looked up for. Like everybody seems to be so happy for the U S team and all our like team vibe or whatever, but like the French do it, do it way better. And, and they, uh, yeah, I, I was really proud to see that. And, uh, yeah, I mean the whole, the whole thing, I mean, what you say about Paul Goldberg too, like, uh, you know, he's a huge inspiration to me. 
and yeah, he is 32 and, and it's exactly like what I was saying earlier, you know, like he just like weathered, he's weathered some serious storms in his career. And, and now like <clears throat> under circumstances where like every American skier ever would have probably retired, he's just here 32, just, you know, winning world championship medals and being a beast. So yeah, it was a, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, Claybo is going to win and that is what it is, you know, but it was cool. There was a lot of fun stories out there today. So <laughs> no, for sure. No, for sure. And I think he's like, it, it's Paul is a great inspiration for sure. I mean, he's also been kicked off the the national team too. Yeah. Like, so he's got like, he got he's like the, the boot. So it's, it's, it's just, Paul, it's just Paul, so incredible. He He's the uh, Rosie Brennan of Norwegian men's skiing, I think is yeah. the appro- appropriate Maybe. analogy here. I wanted to, yeah. I, and also I wanted to, to uh, go for oh, it. Like before you go into it, I just want to give a shout out to Novak too, man. Novak in fourth, Czech Republic, twenty-six year old. Yeah, what a what a great day to put it all together. And he's been top ten a bunch, not a bunch, but once in a while. So it's not a name that you should be so surprised. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised to see him skiing so well and come fourth. And Callie Halverson, man, like speaking of old and washed up a couple of years ago and many years of being washed up. He mm-hmm. he's had a great resurgence of a season. And I, I thought like, you know, he wasn't better than that today. And it, fifth is a, a great day in the world championships. And he's got a lot of great races coming. So it'll be interesting to see if Cali can uh, also shake, a, shake that off his back and come away with some hardware at a championship. Who, who's to, who's to know? It'll be tough. It's a tough competition for those distance races that are coming, but you never know. Yeah, Novak is a uh, another one who I actually know decently well, and he, uh, he it's every time he has success of any sort, I'm just so happy because he's like the nicest guy ever. This summer in Kapodretsveka, uh, he didn't have support, and uh, so he came with us and rode around and to all the races and stuff, and it was just like the all time best. And every time I see him, he's just so so sweet, and he's just someone who you can't not root for. So it's problematic on the world cup because it seems like everybody is that way. You know, when you get to know, when you get to know, it's hard to have enemies because they're all so nice, but Novak is certainly no exception. <laughs> yeah. What do you do when it's like half of the semifinal heat you're in? It's like guys that you feel really bad if you uh, stepped on their ski. Yeah, it's definitely, maybe that's more of a rhetorical question. <laughs> and it, uh, it certainly is something yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit, I mean, yeah, there's no one you'd want to take out, but the more you meet people, like, the more you're just like, Jesus, like, I don't even, I wanted to see you win, you know, <laughs> but. Well, um, I am sitting uh, directly next to, it's kind of funny, like, there's a, there is a bar in this media center that I'm in, and I think it's appropriate because there is a lot of a lot, a lot that we need to pour out. Uh, we need to pour one out for Ed, Edvin Onger, who, you know, looked really sharp uh, today and until one of the snow state snakes came and uh, took his ski out. Um, and then also for Eric Valness, man, that guy also was looking incredible. I, I want to just quickly say so you know, the way that it works here is there's this, it's called the mix zone. And we've, we probably talk about it a lot without explaining it, but basically it's like this kind of gauntlet that the skiers have to walk down. Like literally you cannot escape the press because they're just like a line lined up and this it's a hundred meters long. And, you know, you've got to talk to their hundred, they're probably 200 reporters here. And as an American, everyone kind of goes and talks to the reporters from their own country in their own language. So it's, it's all, and then, you know, that there was a press conference, but it didn't happen until literally like two hours after the race while we're taping this podcast. So I never hear anything from like any of the Norwegians, any of the Swedes and except I I'm like, I've got 20 minutes. I'm like, I'm going to go for a little jog. I'm just, there's nowhere really to jog here. I'm still at the venue at the media center. So I'm just jogging like back and forth, like up this walkway where all the fans are milling around and like Valness is just, he's just there chilling, like talking to his family, which I'm like, can you imagine if like after the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, if like Tom Brady just goes and is tailgating with 
with his parents out, you know, at the back of their F-150 in the in the parking lot at Gillette Stadium. I, I just kind of loved that. So I was like, I, you know, the, the guy looked like his his dog had just been run over and then he'd had to watch someone barbecue it or something. I mean, he was he you could just tell he was so gutted. And and after after he crashed, he was just like lying there in the snow, chucked his ski. And he it was pretty interesting. He said, um, you know, he thought basically he just tripped and got taken out. But then he was someone was showing him video and he said it looked like his ski was actually like had a break in it somehow before he crashed. Um, and Devin, maybe you have a little more intel about that from yeah. Norwegian media, but like, no, no, man. for sure. They, they've been showing this like nonstop and it looked like he had somehow broken his ski earlier in that heat, like, like a little bit. And then when you weight the ski, as you know, Ben, like coming around that corner, you have so much force and then you're just going to start launching, um, doing that run, like the, the running technique up that steep hill when it's soft and bang the thing, like the tip, well, not just the tip, but let's say like one fifth of the ski, not even probably, but whatever, one tenth of the ski would broke. And, uh, man, he hit the deck and that was, that was tough to see. I mean, he wins the qualifier. He's back in great shape. He's looking like a total hero in his quarterfinal and, and his day ends. And then, and then also too, like Hobart Tugboat fails in his, uh, he falls in his quarterfinal. He actually got taken out by Marcus Gudalta, uh, the Swedish athlete. And the fact that Marcus was able to get into the semifinal with like no problems has created a little bit of a stir here in Norway. And I don't know where I weigh on it. I mean, he definitely impeded tugboat. He definitely did, but did he need to get the cued or not? I, I'm not sure. But at the same time, uh, the fact of the matter is like Hovard hit the deck and that was his day. And that's the thing, Ben, you know how that is, man. Like in sprinting, that's the beauty and the curse of sprinting. It's instant gratification when things go well, because you just go heat after heat after heat and you get more and more pumped and your day gets better and better. And if things go south or if things just don't go the way you, you wanted them to go in your head movies, like you get smacked with that right away whereas like if you have a bad distance race like a really bad distance race like you're you're going through all the emotions i mean like you're going like you're out there in the back 40 feeling like a bad ass going like get me home i want to get to the finish line you're stopping yourself like don't think like that focus on the technique come on stay present and then you're like what's the point like ah, oh, i feel like total shit and like back and forth and back and by the time you cross the finish line you're super disappointed if you have a bad distance race but you kind of gone uh gone to war with yourself a few times out there whereas the sprint it just all happened so fast that you're kind of left picking up the pieces right when the right when it's all over and with Valdness, like they were asking him like what do you think your chances are to do the team sprint he's like oh, i'm just gonna i'm probably gonna get sent home and blah, blah blah of course everyone says that when they're disappointed but it does create quite a challenge for the norwegian team for the sprint the team sprint i mean he's olympic champion in the team sprint he has a couple silver medals from the championships uh, in sprinting. I mean, he's showing he's in great shape. I mean, how do you pick a guy that goes with Klebo in, in that? I mean, it's, I guess, I guess it's a great problem to have because they're everyone's replaceable, but other than Klebo. So it'll, but it's still like, that's tough for him. So I, it'd be nice to see him get the chance, but there's a lot of hungry guys that also want a chance. So it'll be interesting to see who they give that nod to. I was going to, I was going to add, uh, you know, I, I won't, uh, put put Ben on the spot in particular and ask who he'd pick from uh, these three American women who are in the mix to be on the women's team sprint team. I will just ask both of you how glad you are not have not to have to be you know Matt Wickham and Chris Grover to to make that call because you know clearly Julie Kern, Rosie Brennan, Jesse Diggins all you know are going to be competitive on that in that team sprint, and I feel like there's a really strong chance for American medal in that event, which is going to be on Sunday. And then, you know, probably I would imagine we're going to see Ben and, and JC in, uh, in that event as well. Although, you know, I was talking to Kevin Bolter today and I know he wants, he, he's like, I, you know, still want to still want to race in the team sprint too. So I'm sure there are decisions to make there, but uh, I, I love the championship team sprints. It's, it's going to be so good. It's just, such a it's such a good event as opposed to when it's on the world cup but um i don't know anything else uh anything else to wrap up from today you guys um, ben's got to get some ben's got to get some food in him he's got more racing to come and we're going to be cheering loud we really i really appreciate you taking the time to come on this heat bag production we got going over here and uh, giving your perspective uh we really appreciate it yeah for sure no thanks for the uh thanks for the good questions and uh yeah, I love that you guys talk about us and, and whatnot, so keep it up. It's, it's really cool.
you guys are really inspiring and it's uh it's fun to follow follow along and good luck for the rest of the championship and say hi to all those old fogies i know well in uh in your camp yeah. from me <laughs> will do will do and uh just to be clear yeah you don't want to be matt or chris right now or almost ever when it comes to uh choosing the women's the women's uh teams it's it's a real challenge but they seem to uh they seem to always do a good job so i'm sure they will this time too <laughs> good good problem to have same same exactly same the norwegians right yeah, exactly. exactly anyhow cheers guys thank you take care thanks ben nat i was shocked as exciting as it was of course like is it weird not to have the Russians? Like we're all used to it by now, but of course, I mean like Bolshinov in a classic sprint like that, he, he obviously would have been strong. Like that's a given. Um, but Wang from China, who had podiums in classic sprints last year, last March, how is it possible that the world's second biggest economy that puts so much money into cross-country skiing for Beijing, where they got not much out of it let's be perfectly honest and they have such a strong like a world leading sprinter from asia that could be a huge star in cross country skiing skis well doesn't even get a chance to race the world championships here in planitza it's i feel so bad for him because he's also in his late 20s so it's not like it's it's a finite amount of time it's not like he's 21 and you're like okay there's a political like i don't mean like political political i mean like sport political uh, situation going on in China and they just got to sort that out and he'll be at the Olympics. No problem. Like, you know what in sprinting, like he doesn't have that many years to, to screw around with. And it really broke my heart not to see him out there. I mean, he was, he was also pretty fun to watch. Like he's kind of like plays with the crowd. Like he's, he's kind of a, he's, he's easy to cheer for. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's uh it's been a subject of discussion here a little bit and uh I've been, I've been doing some reporting on it and there's you know there's there's more to that story for sure and i i don't want to tip my hand actually we'll i'll i'll have a story on it in the next couple of days with like some interesting voices and i you know it's i think it's a really interesting issue just for global cross-country skiing because they were the Chinese were putting so much money, so much effort into it, and and finally saw a payoff last year with that podium from Wang Chang in, in Dramen um, on the World Cup. And you know the talent that guy has is just undeniable. So it 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 is it's it is it is an awful feeling to to see him you know as basically like a hostage in China. And he posted on social media today. I don't know if you saw that, but he. Uh, he was just talking about, you know, kind of the sadness of not being here. I think, you know, there'd been a story about it where I think Paul Goldberg had said some nice things about him. And so he was kind of reacting to that. Maybe I'll, I'll put a little link to that in the, in the show notes, but uh, yeah, more, more on the, on the Chinese absence from Planitza, but it definitely I look forward to reading that. I look, I look forward to reading that because it would have been, yeah, it leaves something to be desired, honestly, like as we're talking now, just visualizing what he did in drama last year and it was incredible and um it would have been pretty impressive to see how he would have solved a, a course like this i mean with some of those climbs and then the, the climb into a double pole finish like that man it would have suited him really really well and um those opportunities you don't get back so it's uh that was, that was too bad and it's like not, not not just too bad for him not just too bad for china but also too bad for the sport of cross-country skiing because Absolutely. more because more profiles no matter where they're from, but especially if they're from uh, a traditionally weak nation in cross-country skiing like China, that would have just made such a difference. So yeah, in a country that has a, bi a billion, you know, 1. people. 4. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 1. 4 billion people and, and, and Ski buyers. Yeah, 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 I know for sure. So uh, anyway, I, I look forward to reading your article then that I'll, now I'm uh, now I'm on my now on my toes. I'm I look forward to that, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep people in suspense and, and be back, uh, be back tomorrow. Great. Well, that's, um, I've been getting, uh, so there was like in these like Norwegian tabloids that, that story we had, I don't know if it was when Oystein was on, I don't know, but it was like weeks and weeks ago where I talked shit about the craft clothing from Norway, about how like they give Sweden amazing craft clothing and then craft gives like the warmups, the Norwegian warmups are just like ill-fitting and like look stupid and like so you remember when we were bantering about that yeah so like a serious tabloid here in norway like netavisen which is like not even yeah, yeah. paper not even a real paper uh has like published like with a headline saying like 
ex world champion says the Norwegian team looks like shit. And then like misquoted me, then misquoted me saying that I thought the race suits looked bad. And I, I don't know, we might have to go back to that podcast and hear what I actually said, but I think I said that the race suit was the only thing that looked good. It was the warmups and like the, the jackets and the toques and everything else that looked bad. And I stand by that, but my inbox has been blowing up, like not to quote Donald Trump about like when he went off about like, it's probably that guy in the basement that's 350 pounds. Like, <laughs> like just, just like doing cyber, cyber espionage and, and uh, hacking. But man, my, uh, my inbox has been blown up by, by um, disgruntled Norwegians in their middle to late age, just calling me a real piece of shit. Um, so I'm sorry that I insulted uh, the 55 to 75 single Norwegian men out there in saying that their race suit looks bad. I Their race suit looks good. It's the warm-up clothes. And this was just on a podcast that no one listens to. So Nedevisen, if you're listening to this, at least listen to what I say. At least quote me for what I actually said. Also, like, you know, Norway, you guys are doing just fine in cross-country skiing. Maybe the the guys that are sending Devin hate mail for talking shit about the Norwegian warm-ups, which, like, who really cares? Maybe you guys should be figuring out how to use your, like, one trillion sovereign, one trillion dollars sovereign wealth fund to, like, figure out the climate change problem and what you're going to do to exactly, you know, stop drilling in the North sea or something like that. Um, exactly. But, and, and but, I, but, but, I, but no, 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 no. But, but, but what we, what we do have to accept here, Devin, is that all publicity for the Devin Kershaw show is good publicity. So, and that's, and that's where I struggle with because like this whole project is just such a, like, I, I feel like I do a disclaimer subtly every single podcast. Like here's the deal. I'm an idiot. I don't know anything about anything. I was a top cross-country skier for some parts of my career. I was also a garbage cross-country skier for some parts of my career. It's really just me and you, Nat, and like we get guests like Harv and Ben today and Sadie and people, friends of ours and people that we don't know that well to, to sit around and chat about cross-country skiing. But come on, people. If you're listening, thanks. We appreciate it because our numbers aren't that great. But um if, you, if you're going to like just start sending me a bunch of hate mail about me talking about Norwegian warm-up clothes, like you said, Matt, I agree. Like, let's all just have a cinnamon bun, drink that 16th cup of coffee because Norwegians drink so much cup of coffee and and look forward to a little longer days because uh, I laugh about it, but I'm not going to lie. Like today, I'm like, why is everyone emailing me? Like what? Like people I don't know. I'm like, what? What is this? And then. And then uh, at school, a couple of the guys, like no one's interested in cross-country ski, like no one's interested in sports really uh, in medical school. And also it's kind of weird, but um, there was like a couple of the guys it's like, oh, I read about you talking shit about the race suits in Norway. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I had to like really dig in my mind. Like, I do think that the warmups look bad, but like, oh, Matt and I talked about this like a month ago. So like the net of Eason, um tabloid writers probably sat on that for like a month and it's like oh yeah day before world championships let's quote Kirsch saying that the races look like shit and really rile up the single 65 year old idiot Norwegians that are at home in a basement somewhere I don't know I'll leave it there <laughs> yep well uh we'll, we'll be back uh we'll be back tomorrow see if we can find some more ways to uh make some headlines so thanks for listening and uh yeah See you guys later. Thanks, Nat. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back.